10. I want you to notice what it says in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of in Christ. I want uh, the title of my message this morning is the power of His resurrection. Now, something I want to, I want you all to think for a little bit. I know it's in the morning, all right, Sunday morning, but I, I need you to think a little bit tonight. You know, when did you see? Can you? How many people remember when you learned and when all of a sudden it just kicked in with you that one of these days? You are going to rise from the dead. Do you, do you remember like when you learned that truth that one of these days you will rise from the dead? Most of us probably don't remember when that was exactly because, first of all, most of us don't think very much about dying, do we? We don't like to think about dying. You know, that's not a, it's not a pleasant thought. And I think unsaved people especially don't like to think about the fact that they're going to die someday. And, you know, me, for example, I grew up in a Christian home. I don't remember when I learned that one of these days I will rise again from the dead. It's just something I've always known. It's something I've always been taught. I've always been taught about the rapture and about the resurrection from the dead. I, I've always known it. And so uh, the thing is, we don't in our culture, we don't think about this stuff very much. And most of us, we can't think about the time we learn that. And one thing I think it's important to do whenever you are, are studying the Bible is to kind of try to put yourself in their place during that time to help you kind of understand context and what they're talking about. And so when Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, okay, we understand the resurrection is powerful. We've heard all the songs on it, but we don't often think that much about it. But I, what I want us to do, I want us to kind of try to put ourselves in a mindset of an Old Testament saint. Because remember, they did not know all the things that we know today, things that we take for granted, things that we've always known as a Christian. They, didn't under, they did not understand. And so when they learned the things that you and I have always known as Christians, this was a big deal to them. This really meant a lot, and it's obvious. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a major, major significant thing for us because it, because it is the proof that we will rise again from the dead, and it helps us even understand how we can rise from the dead one of these days. And that's why at the end, too, of Philippians chapter four, 3, Paul said, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glor glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So Paul, he it's, it's Paul where we learned about the glorified body. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15 in a little bit. It's Paul that taught us a lot of these things about the resurrection, but these things that Paul taught, they were not known in the Old Testament. They were learned, though, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ because this proves some things to believers, some things that they had always looked at and just kind of wondered about. And aren't there a lot of things that we, you know, wonder about, you know, that, that are mysteries to us, things that we can't wait to find out? You know, especially when it comes to, you know, the return of Christ, when it comes to the millennium. But think about those who are born in the millennium. You know, those things might not be as wondrous to them because that's what's always been. That's all they've ever known. You know, they weren't here in the old world. And there are certain things, too, that I think we take for granted because we didn't live in that world before the death of Jesus Christ. All we've ever known is what we have today. 
And, I, and so I think when we go and when we're studying our Bible and we put ourselves in the mindset that they would have had back then, it kind of helps us understand the significance of some of the things that they're saying here. So I want us to try to get a grasp of the significance of Paul's statement, the power of his resurrection. Because I do, I think it's something we take for granted. So while a resurrection, something we need to understand, while a resurrection has always been believed, you know, the saved have always believed in a resurrection. You know, the believers, though, back in the Old Testament, they did not have the knowledge of certain things that we do today. Okay? But they did believe in a resurrection. In fact, look at Job chapter 19. You know, Job, you know, most would agree, is one of the oldest books of the Bible. Uh, you know, Job probably lived around the same time as Abraham. And in Job 19, verse 23... It says, oh, that my words were now written, oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. If Job only knew what he was saying right there was going to be better than being graven in a rock, it was the word of God that was being spoken right there. And it's going to, it, what he said is going to, was going to abide forever. And it has abided. And he says, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that... And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. You know, really, Job right here, he is basically testifying that he believes he's going to rise again. Why? Because he knew his Redeemer lived. He knew his Redeemer lived. He was going to stand on the earth on the latter day. He knew he wasn't going to live to see that day, but he knew that even though his body was going to go into a grave, even though worms were going to destroy his body, he knew somehow that in his flesh he would see God. He said, who mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job believed in a resurrection of the dead way back then. But notice how when he makes that statement, even though worms are going to destroy this flesh, and even though they're, you know, my reins are going to be consumed within me, I'm going to see God in the flesh. Okay? Now, I don't believe that Job understood how that was going to work. I don't believe that Job understood that changed body that the Apostle Paul talked about when he said in 1 Corinthians 15, not where he is revealing the mystery of the rapture or the resurrection. They already knew about the resurrection. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 15, he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump, he is showing, and he talks about how this mortal is going to put on immortality, and this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. He's explaining how we're going to get a new glorified body, one that is a body that's like Christ. Well, what is a body like Christ? Like the one Jesus resurrected in? Jesus Christ, when he resurrected from the dead, did he not have a real physical body? It wasn't just a spirit. He had a real physical body. He ate fish with the disciples. People touched him. Now, there was something extra special about that body because of the fact, too, he managed to get into a room when all the doors were closed. Now, you and I can't do that, but Jesus was able to do that. Jesus, in his body, he was able to ascend up into heaven. And as he was, he was able to enter into heaven. We can't do that with our body either, can we? Our body needs to be changed into a body like Christ before we can enter into the presence of God because he's got to make us holy. 
because we're not holy right now. So we understand these things now. Okay, now we don't fully understand how God's going to do it. We don't understand the power that goes into that, but we know what's going to happen. Job didn't know that in his day, but Job knew he was going to rise from the dead. Why? Because God told him he was going to rise from the dead. We turn over to John chapter 8 and verse 56. It, and this is the thing too, folks. It is the height of biblical ignorance. It is heresy to say that Abraham was not looking forward to the cross. To say that is just pure biblical ignorance. In John 8, chapter, uh, John chapter 8, verse 56, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Talking about himself, Jesus Christ. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And by the Jew, that didn't go over real well to Jews. It went over about it, you know, it went over as good as it does a dispensationalist when you tell them Abraham looked forward to the cross. They're ready to take up stones and stone you at that point. But it's just the fact Abraham believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He believed in the death, burial, and resurrection. There's no doubt about that. We'll see more on that in a little bit. But you know, the Old Testament is full of references to the resurrection, to a resurrection. It says in Isaiah 26:19, "Thy dead men." shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise, awake and sing ye that dwell in the dust. For the dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee, and hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, the earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. So notice how the earth's going to cast out her dead. But what are we doing? We're hiding before God pours his wrath out. And isn't that what we believe? We believe that the rapture comes before God pours his wrath out on the earth. And you say, well, why does God need to, you know, resurrect us if we're already dead and our spirits are in heaven? Why does God need to go and, you know, rapture us before he destroys the earth i'll tell you, you know, he's doing that because this planet's going to be getting torched it's going to be going through all kinds of things he's pulling our bodies out because we're going to resurrect from the dead so he's not going to do extra destruction to our carcasses before he pulls us out of here he's pulling us out right before he pours his wrath out on this earth that was in isaiah and over i mean there, there are so many references you know daniel chapter 12 i mean we can go on and on but even the Pharisees in Jesus' day believed in a resurrection. It says in Matthew 22, verse 23, The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, and they asked that question about the woman uh, that was married to all the different brothers. And she never had any children. You know, which one is she going to be married to you know, in the resurrection? So the Sadducees, this is a question that they were probably always able to stump the Pharisees with, who believed in a resurrection. And so they weren't, because, and so because the Pharisees did not have the understanding of the resurrection that we do today, you know, and a lot of it was just because they didn't know the scriptures. We're going to see that here in a second. They weren't able to answer this question. So the Sadducees like, you know what? I've stumped every Pharisee I've ever asked for this. I'm going to go stump Jesus with this. And that didn't happen, did it? And, it, and notice what Jesus said in verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, "Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God." 
Y'all understand that the Sadducees, they should have believed in a resurrection because of the Scriptures, based on the Old Testament. But because they did not know the Scriptures well, they made a mistake. They erred, and they also did not understand the power of God. And it says in verse 30, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven, but as touching the resurrection of the dead. Have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. So based on the fact that at the burning bush, God told Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they should have understood a few things that they just completely missed, that went over their head. That they, because they err not knowing the scriptures. So I show you that just to show that you know the resurrection was a common belief during that day. But it was one amongst the Jews that was disputed where you had the different sects. With the, you had the Pharisees that did believe in it. You had the Sadducees that didn't believe in it. We see in the book of Acts where you know Paul was on trial and he got the Jews all fighting with each other by just bringing up the resurrection. And then you know they all just started fighting because he saw that you know some of the multitudes, Pharisees, some Sadducees. And he's like, I know how to get them distracted. You know, I know, I'll get them all fighting. I'll bring up the resurrection, and sure enough, it worked. And so the reason that they often would ask these questions is because while many believed in the resurrection, there was more that they did not know about than what they did know. It, but they did know there was going to be a resurrection one of these days. So understand that, you know, before Jesus rose from the dead, while there was a clear belief in the resurrection... There was a lot of things that was a mystery to them that they did not understand. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it taught them some things. Those who were believers, you know, before Jesus rose from the dead, those who were saved, there there were so many things that they learned that were exciting. Folks, isn't it exciting when a great mystery is solved, something you've always wondered about, and, and then you find out the truth of that? And, you know, some of the greatest mysteries that we have, we're probably not going to find out the truth about these things until Jesus Christ returns. But is that not going to be exciting for us? And, and do you not think it's going to be those, those facts that we will know during that time will be a little more precious to us than those who are born in the millennium and grow up with that? So understand, guys like the Apostle Paul, who was very zealous about the law, who was a Pharisee, so he, he had believed in a resurrection. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead and after he got saved, the Apostle Paul learned some things that were very exciting to him, that were very valuable to him, things that I'm afraid we often take for granted. And I want us to look at some of these things that the Apostle Paul learned. Because while many things should have been understood from the Old Testament, it was the resurrection of Christ that gave believers the full realization of these things. So what are those things? So first off, Christ's resurrection, it was a reminder that the wages of sin is death. It was a reminder of that. Now they should have known that from the Old Testament. They should have known that from the day ye thereof thou shalt surely die. They should have known from that, but at the same time too, it wasn't something that many of them understood. It wasn't something that was real clear to them. A lot of them, they had the wrong idea about these things, but yet with Jesus Christ, when he you know, rose from the dead, it, remind, it, it proved to them that a resurrection can happen because Jesus conquered death. Because think about it. 
for 4,000 years, they had all these people dying. And the only ones who ever rose from the dead was a few, you know, random miracles in the Old Testament. And those people all just died again later. Okay? So whenever uh, this, this happens, this proved to them that, you know what? We can rise from the dead one of these days. Because you not think, well, we know for a fact there were the Sadducees who said there is no resurrection. You know, for 4,000 years, people have been saying there's going to be a resurrection. But yet, where's anybody that's ever rose from the dead? You know what? Now, they had somebody they could point to and say, the one that we believe in, the one we're trusting in, he rose from the dead. And you know what? He, he, he was the Son of God. He was the one that was spoken of in the Old Testament. And if he rose from the dead, you better believe we can rise from the dead too. Jesus has now given them physical proof for something that many of them had always believed in. And you know, that's how, that's how it is with us. We know that we're saved. We know we're on our way to heaven. We know we're going to rise someday because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So we, have, we, we, do, we take this for granted. We have the physical proof. We, we really do. We have the physical proof. So, you know, we weren't there. We didn't see it. We have, there was 500 brethren at one time that saw it. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have all these writings that just, that miraculously, I mean, are in sync with each other. The beautiful harmony of the scriptures, we have these things. You know, we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that tells us that these things are true. I mean, we've just, we've, we've got a Bible that it's accuracy. I mean, the, the mathematics of these things happening by chance are just literally impossible. It's got God's signature all over it. And so Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead, it was proof to them that there will be a resurrection from the dead. It gave them that proof, Christ's resurrection from the dead. It also shows that he is the only source for eternal life. Because who rose from the dead? It was Jesus that rose from the dead. It was Jesus that conquered death. It is Jesus that has the keys of death and hell. It's Jesus. He's the only one that ever conquered that. Therefore, he is the only one that we can go to for eternal life. He's it. That's it. You have to go to Jesus Christ through the Son of God, you can't even go through God the Father to get salvation. You have to go through the Son, don't you? And that's why the Jews, they don't have it. They don't have salvation. They're trying to bypass Jesus Christ. They don't have, so they're not going to, they don't have anything. They're going to remain dead in their sins. We've got to go through Jesus Christ. We see that Christ's resurrected body showed us that we need a new sinless body like his. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, we all understand now that, you know, we are sinful. Just like Adam, we inherited that sin nature from Adam, and Adam all die. But if by one man death came into the world, by one righteousness and life can come. And that's Jesus Christ. If by one man's sin we can all be dead, then by one man's obedience we can all be made alive. And so because of the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, now we... and. We now know that we can rise from the dead and we can obtain his righteousness because the reason that we die is because we are all sinful. 
We have a vile, sinful body that's going to give out at some time. It's going to die, and it's going to rot away. But Jesus Christ, he literally died, was dead for three days, came back from the dead. And so because of that, it gives us a lively hope. Okay? It's, not just a, it's not just a, you know, like a hopeless hope that many people have when you ask them, hey, you die today, you know for sure if you're going to go to heaven? Well, you know, I, I hope so. You can say they have hope, but would we call that a lively hope? No, when, when people say, I hope so, okay, they don't have the blessed hope, do they? Not, not when they're saying, I, not, not that kind of hope. No, we have a lively hope. We have a living hope. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross, paid for my sins, died, and rose again. So the hope that I have, it's not just that I want this to happen. I sure hope this happens. No, my hope is based on the fact of something that has already taken place, that's already happened with Jesus Christ. So the hope that I have, it is a blessed hope. It is a lively hope. And that's that came because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is no longer God just telling us something like this will happen someday. He showed us an example of that very thing taking place, something people had always been looking to, so the Apostle Paul, who had already believed in a resurrection, he now believes it on another level. That's much more exciting to him because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus' resurrection, it taught us these things. Christ's suffering and resurrection, it shows us the power of sin and it shows us the power of his blood. Because when we look at Jesus Christ suffering on that cross... That is a, just a ugly reminder of how bad our sin is. That shows us what God thinks about our sin. Because the problem that the Jews had, and, and Paul constantly had to deal with this with Jews that he was trying to win over, they thought that they had obtained their own righteousness. They thought that they were all good. They, they saw themselves, you know, they thought God saw them the way they saw themselves. And so they would look at themselves, they compare themselves to the Greeks and the Romans, and they're thinking, man, we are so much better than them. But, you know, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 through 3 showed them how, yeah, you know, you might not be a reprobate, but, you know, you're still a sinner too. And the truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you think that God doesn't think much about your sin and God wouldn't put you in hell for your sin... Why don't you go and look back in the Gospels and see what God did to his own son on the cross when he was carrying our sins. God allowed that to happen. The Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And it's not that God was just getting this pleasure in Jesus Christ suffering that way. But folks, the suffering that Jesus took on that cross, his suffering that he did, the pains of death that he endured for those three days and three nights in hell... These things were just punishment that we deserve because of our sin. And so the death of Jesus Christ, it is a strong, I mean, it, is a, it, it shows us in a strong way how bad our sin is. But then when we see that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it shows us the power that he has to conquer sin, to conquer the grave. It shows us just how powerful his blood is. And while it might seem weird to the world, that's why we sing songs about blood in this church. You know how many songs are in the hymn books that are bloody songs? 
And, you know, you think about how, you know, we don't, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I hate, I despise, you know, just violence and gore and bloody movies. I'm not into that type of thing. I'm not, it's gross. I don't want to see people's blood. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nasty thing. But at the same time, I have no problem singing about the blood of Jesus Christ because I realize what it has done for me. And, you know, God, and thankfully, God doesn't want us to sit around feeling bad about it and feeling guilty and just, you know, crying about. No, God wants us to rejoice in it. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to rejoice in what he did. And we sing songs, joyful songs, happy songs about the cross about the shedding of his blood. And it's appropriate. It's what God wants us to do because what Jesus did there showed us just how bad our sin was. And, he sh- and the, what he did on the cross is something that all of us know we can't possibly do. But yet we know he did that for us. And we see that the death was not able to hold him because we're all still going to physically die one of these days if we don't make it to the rapture. But, you know, our hope's still not over, is it? And so even if we find out we're going to die, even if you find out you've got some kind of terminal cancer or COVID-19 or something like that, you can, you know what? I'm going to be like, man, I'm going to miss the rapture. I'm not going to miss the rapture. The greatest event that will ever happen in human history, I'm going to be there front and center for it. Even if it's 100 years from now, I will be there for that event because the Bible says, we're going to rise from the dead. First Thessalonians chapter 4 says the dead in Christ shall rise first. We are going to be there for that event when the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood. When the stars fall from the heaven, when the powers of heaven are shaken. I want to live till that because I kind of like the idea of getting all excited about the anticipation of that. You know, because aren't there all things that we've all looked forward to? You know, when you're a kid, it's Christmas. You know, and then when you get a little older, you get engaged, you're looking forward to getting married, you know, and then when your wife's pregnant, you're looking forward to having that kid. There's all these big moments in life that, you know, we all look forward to that we're all excited about. You know, we're all looking forward to getting out of quarantine and, you know, can't wait until we can go out in public again, you know, not have to wear masks and things like that. You know, we're all looking forward to these things and the anticipation of those things, it kind of helps us keep going sometimes. And I just, you know, I'm looking forward to when we know it's real close. Now, and while I don't think we're in the tribulation, you know, I'm just going to tell you, you know, I've entertained the thought quite a bit lately, and I'm going to continue entertaining the thought, you know, and I'm going to continue speculating, oh, you know, is this one of the seals or something like that? You know, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, all right? Now, we might get it wrong, but if I speculate a little bit too much, I'm sorry, I'm just excited. Okay? I'm just excited, just like your kids. Whenever they know dad's going to bring them home a present or something like that, any car they see driving by, they go, is that dad? You know, they get, they're, they're, they're anxious to know because they want to get that present. And so any kind of natural disaster, you know, anytime I hear an earthquake or pestilence or any or, you know, wars or rumors of wars, I can't help. You know, if people and some Christians out there and start getting a little excited, hey, is this, is this tribulation? Hey, don't get mad at them. They're excited. They're looking forward to the return of Christ. And I do, I, I want to be alive for it. But either way, I'm not going to miss it. Either way, and I know that, I have that lively hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I understand now the power of his resurrection. If Jesus Christ, if, if, if Adam was able to kill us all with his sin, then Jesus Christ is able to make us all alive again because of his righteousness and because of his resurrection. 
And so while sometimes I look, I read the Bible and I get mad at Adam when I read, you know, about him eating the fruit, you know, I can forget about it when I get to the part about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Because, all right, he killed me, Adam killed me, but Christ can make me alive. And I, I have that hope. And I, I, can, I can have that confidence. And it's a good confidence. It's exciting. And so because the Apostle Paul came from a background you know, where he was zealous about the law. You know, he was somebody that knew the law. It caused him, I believe, to have a different attitude than we do when it comes to certain things about the salvation that we take for granted. Okay? Now, we all, we all rejoice here in the fact that salvation's simple, all right? And we prove that every time we go soul winning, okay? We, we prove we believe in the simplicity of salvation when we go tell other people. Because, you know, people who believe in the simplicity of salvation, they're just, you know, you know, pardon the term, ignorant enough to think that if they just go tell somebody else about Jesus Christ and they believe on him, they'll be saved. And I know the Calvinists don't appreciate that very much. And, that, and they don't like that. But, you know, that's what I believe. I know I didn't do anything impressive to get me saved. I know I'm not doing anything impressive right now that tells everyone that I am saved. I believe that salvation was a free gift that I just accepted. And so I tell other people about it, and I believe they're going to get saved. I believe the people we talked to yesterday got saved. I, I, I believe that. But, you know, we often take some of these things for granted. So salvation is extremely simple. But you all understand they didn't understand. They didn't all understand how simple salvation was until after the resurrection of Christ. Many of them struggled with this. The resurrection of Christ, it's what made it just crystal clear how simple salvation is. See, Paul now understood how, the how and why of the resurrection. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me show you a few things here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I, mean, I can just imagine when Paul's writing this chapter, he's probably really excited because this is all stuff that he didn't know at one time. But now he knows. Okay? We've always known this, so we don't get that excited about it. But try to put yourself in Paul's place. And he says in verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And how are there any Sadducees left out there? If Christ, is be, if Christ is being preached that he rose from the dead, how can there be some among you that say there is no resurrection of the dead? How can there be preterists in a world of people who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, you can say whatever you want about that. But, you know, if you believe, say you believe in the resurrection of the Christ and you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, talking about ours, I don't believe you're saved. And I don't believe you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you don't like that, you know what? Get mad at me and get mad at the Apostle Paul. I used to kind of think preterists could be saved until I was reading what Paul said about it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And I changed my mind. I, I, I don't believe they are. If you don't believe you're going to rise from the dead, I don't believe you believe Christ rose from the dead. I'm going to, not spiritually, physically. Jesus physically rose from the dead. We're going to raise, rise from the dead like he rose from the dead. And it says in verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. If preterism's right, then what we teach on Easter is wrong. That, but no, we're not wrong. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. 
I talked to somebody one time who told me they didn't believe. They, they literally said, I do not believe Jesus is coming back. I do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Yet, they told me they believe salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and, and preach the same gospel we do. Baloney. Right, baloney. Verse 15, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Y'all get that? You, you're on your way to hell, folks, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. They, they're in hell if, if, they're, if these people are right about there being no resurrection of the dead. And it says, if, uh, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So, folks, there's, there's no doubt about it. There is a resurrection that's coming one of these days. And Paul, he, he understands these things now. He said in verse 24, as an Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So Paul now got it. Paul's like, okay, you know what? I get it how there can be a resurrection of the dead. He went, he's thinking back to the scriptures. Man was condemned by what Adam did in the garden. And while that might not have seemed really fair to a lot of people, might have, and a lot of people might have a problem with that, he's like, but you know what? It's okay because in Christ we can all be made alive. So go ahead and get mad at Adam if you want because of the fact that he plunged the whole human race into existence. But, you know, if, if you're going to be mad at Adam and then you're going to reject Jesus Christ, isn't it your own fault? Aren't you doing the same thing that Adam did? Because, yeah, he got you in trouble, but Jesus got you out of trouble. Yeah, you didn't eat the fruit, okay? but you know what? You didn't die on the cross and pay for your sins either. So why don't you just believe on Christ? So understand, anybody who goes to hell, it's not going to be because of Adam. Anybody that goes to hell is going to be because they rejected the gospel. They rejected the free gift. It's their own fault. They're like Adam. They're doing the same thing that Adam did. They're rejecting the free gift of salvation. And so in verse 50... We're not going to read the whole thing, but he says, For this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Okay, Paul gets it now. You know, he's like, I see why we all die, because flesh and blood can't enter in the kingdom of God. And we're not going to read it, but he goes and he gives all these examples about different types of bodies and different types of seeds, that they're planted, they die, and then they grow into something greater, more glorious. Paul gets it now. He's like, yeah, you know what? This body is going to die, but it's going to be like that seed. That seed goes in the ground. It dies. But then what comes out of the ground is so much more glorious than what went in the ground. And so this dirty, rotten, vile body that's just full of sin, it's going to go in the ground one of these days. But God's going to do a miracle with it, and he's going to change us. And we're going to come out with a new and glorified body, one that's like Christ. And Paul's like, yeah, I can get that because of the fact that's exactly what happened with Jesus. And Paul had seen him on that road to Damascus. And so Paul, it, it, it makes sense to Paul now. I get how we're going to be able to go to heaven. I get how there's going to be a resurrection. 
God obviously has the power to raise people from the dead. When we're raised from the dead, we're not going to come back like we were before, which is probably what a lot of people thought, especially the Sadducees when they're asking a question like, you know, whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? They thought they're going to come back the way they were before. But Paul, he gets it now. Now, we're not going to come back like we were before. We're going to come back like Christ. That, and that's going to be new. That's going to be a whole lot different. And so Paul's able to understand that now. And, then, and, uh, and so in verse 55, or in verse 54, he says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. The Apostle Paul, knowing the Scriptures like he did, he would have been familiar with Isaiah 25, verses 8, when it says, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord hath spoken it, and it shall be in that day, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him, he will save us, this is the Lord, we have waited for him, we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation." Paul was familiar with that passage, and now Paul realizes, I know when that saying is going to be fulfilled. That's going to be fulfilled at the resurrection. When death is swallowed up in victory. Not when death goes away, because there's still going to be some people that are going to be dying on the earth after that. But just like death suffered a massive defeat at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how, you know, then what would be a good way to put what happens to death at the resurrection of all the believers from the beginning of time. I think that would be a good, a good way to say is, you know what, that's going to be a day when death is swallowed up in victory. That's the way, that's the, way the Bible put it. That's, you know, the Apostle Paul referred to that. So the Apostle Paul, because he understands these things, he has an appreciation, I think more of an appreciation, for the cleansing he had received. Because Paul came from a world where he had to do the washings. You know, he had to do all those carnal ordinances. Paul came from, he came from that. He came from a world where if you weren't following all these things in the law, you couldn't bring your sacrifices and things. And now Paul is in this new age of liberty where he can boldly approach the throne of grace. Paul has an appreciation for us. Now go back to Philippians 3 where, we, where he started. So after he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, Paul wanted to know these things. He wanted to learn about it. the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. What is he saying there? Paul's saying, if it's possible, if there is any means, if there is any way I can attain unto the resurrection of the dead, I'm shooting for it. Okay? Now, look what he says in the next verse, though. Not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect. Hey, Paul's saying, I'm not saying I'm there. He said, I'm not saying that's happened yet. He, Paul knew he was not a glorified individual at this point. But he said, but I follow after that if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before. What Paul's saying right here is he says, I have a goal to attain what Jesus has attained for me. You know what that was? Righteousness. It was righteousness. The Apostle Paul, he now had this new liberty to be able to seek after a physical righteousness, not for salvation, but just for, because of a love for God. Paul realized, I've already, okay, I've already attained righteousness, or a, a righteousness has already been attained for me by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if there's any means, if there's any way that I can attain to that myself, he's like, I'm shooting for it. Oh, yeah, Paul, but what about, you know, you did this, you did that. What about your past? I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. Okay, my sins have been washed away. They're covered by the blood of Christ. I'm just moving forward. I'm, I'm, not, he's like, I'm not saying I'm there, but I'm shooting for it. And isn't that what we ought to be doing as Christians? Yeah, we're not right. We're not righteous. We're not perfect. We're not like Christ yet. But if Jesus Christ already achieved that for us spiritually, why shouldn't we be trying to shoot for it physically ourselves? Since, since we're going to be that way one of these days, since we have the full assurance that one of these days in this body it's going to be changed, we're going to be righteous like Christ, why can't we shoot for it right now to the best of our ability? Why can't we live like we have the hope of it? You know why I'm not an organ donor? I've got, there's two reasons I'm not an organ donor. And I'm, if you want to be an organ donor, that's fine. Right? I've got nothing against you doing that, but there's two reasons I don't. One, the big names and the government people always get their body parts. And I'm afraid if I got something unique and somebody big needs it, I'm going to get in a car wreck. I'm just convinced of that. So that's why I'm not going to do it. I, I, I just don't trust. I don't trust them. But the second reason I don't want to give my body parts out is because I'm planning on getting them back. You say, well, you know, God, even if you give away your liver or something, you know, you know, God, God's still going to be able to raise you. I get that, right? Even if I turn into dust, God's powerful enough to raise me from dust. If God spoke the universe out of nothing, God can do that. But, but here, here's why, folks. I literally believe I'm going to rise from the dead. So when I die, I don't want to be cremated, and I don't want my ashes scattered around. I want my body placed in a ground, and I want a tombstone with my name on it. And I want those who hate me and are glad I'm dead to be able to go visit my grave just because if by some chance the rapture might come while they're there. And I can just get a look at them one more time. Before I get pulled out of here. Folks, I'm that convinced I'm going to rise from the dead. I want my body buried. I want it where, I want it where people don't. I want my family to be able to come and visit and be like, you know, my dad is buried in the ground right here, but he's not staying here. I want it to say on my tombstone the temporary resting place of Tommy McMurtry. I want it to say these things because I believe in that. I have the hope of that. And I have that. Okay, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our resurrection is connected with his resurrection that he did 2,000 years ago. His resurrection from the dead was not just about him. That was about us. That's where we get the hope from. And it's an exciting thing. And so because, you know, so this is something, this is why this holiday is special to me. This morning I was listening to songs about the rapture. You know why? Because thinking about Christ's resurrection makes me think about my resurrection. 
Just like we sing songs like Christ Arose on, on Easter Sunday, I think it's appropriate to sing songs like I'll Fly Away or, you know, What If It Were Today or When We All Get to Heaven. All these, th- all these songs about the return of Christ, it's appropriate because Jesus Christ's death proved that. And so the last verse I want to show you in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 21, okay, because because of Paul's knowledge of these things, the knowledge of the resurrection of Christ, he became more anxious about what was to come. It says, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if but if I live in the flesh, that is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for me. You know how Paul's like, you know, I'm ready to go. He's like, you know, I, I'm in a tough spot right now. I'm in prison, and I might get killed. And I don't know what to do right now because I'm needed here on earth, but I might get killed, and he kind of liked the sound of it. Now, who likes the sound of that? Somebody who is fully assured that they're going to go to heaven. Somebody, oh, but that would be unjust for them to kill you. Yeah, but he also knows that he's going to rise again one of these days and be there with Jesus Christ when he comes back to take care of business. So, you know, if I get put to death unjustly, you know, the world's going to pay for that, and I'm going to be here to see them pay. Y'all understand that? That's how real the resurrection is. And so we need to see Easter Sunday. When we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we need to understand this is a celebration for us. He rose for us, and because he rose, we will rise one of these days. You cannot believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and not believe in the resurrection of the, de- of the believers, of the dead. That is a fact, and it is something that's going to come, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that, and thank God for it. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for the hope of eternal life and the hope of a resurrection of the dead. Dear God, I pray you'll help us to live victorious lives. I pray you'll help us to, uh, Lord, not fear uh, death and the things that are out there. Lord, help us to uh, just rest in the fact that uh, you've conquered these things all for us. But, Lord, I pray you'll help us uh, to do like the Apostle Paul and try to be as much like you as possible uh, while we are here on this earth so we can accomplish great things and show our love for you. In your name we pray.